0: Hi, everyone. I'm Diane Brady. Welcome to Forbes Newsroom. I am here with Congressman-elect Maxwell Frost, who, of course, everybody's saying, um, should I call you Congressman-elect Frost? I guess that's that's the way we should be addressing you now, sir. You are the first Gen Z congressman um, and the first Afro-Cuban. So why does it matter? I mean, what is it about being Gen Z that you know, that a 27 year old in the room would uh, be significantly different. Like, do you think there's, are we making too much of this or?
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think, I think people are just really excited about having, you know, I'm 25, having a 25 year old um, in the halls of Congress, it being number one, refreshing to have somebody who has that outlook on life. Um, but also knowing that you know our governments use a lot older, and we need a yeah. government that represents the country in terms of race, in terms of economic background, but also in terms of age. I mean, when I think about the timeline of Gen Z, I remember and I'm the oldest a Gen Z or can be, right? right? I'm the elder Gen Z. Um, growing up, learning about Occupy Wall Street and middle schools, learning about wealth inequality at such a young age, continuing to get older, Trayvon Martin being murdered. Just 30 minutes away from me, getting that talk from my parents, continuing to grow up Columbine, Parkland, Pulse, going through uh, what feels like more school shooting drills and fire drills, waking up and seeing George Floyd being murdered in broad daylight on our television, uh, right? And, uh, and on our screens. And so all of this has kind of, this is the experience of Gen Z. You know, I think about a lot of other generations, they have these moments um for a lot of people it's the moon landing for a lot of people it's post 911 how our country came together i was alive during 911 but i do not remember i don't remember that entire you know that that's not a significant part of my upbringing for the yeah. things i experienced you know and it's so, when yeah. you,
0: when you put it all together like that it it does feel like a shell shocked generation you know like there's um Even the outlook you have on, let's start with the capitalism. Has capitalism failed this generation? You know, there certainly seems to be more appetite toward, I'm not going to call it socialism, but a different kind of capitalism.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think people, what people are recognizing, especially this generation, is they see that there's massive, massive wealth inequality. They see that we live in a country that has a lot of resources, but it's difficult for a lot of people to tap into those resources. And for a lot of the opportunity this country provides, you need uh, the resources to tap into the opportunity in the first place. And so I think people growing up just have this kind of righteous anger, right, or like a a love of of all people. And they just want everyone to do well. And I think they see the system that we currently have as being one where, uh, you know, everyday working class families being exploited is part of the game, right? It's part of getting to where you want to get. I mean, if you look at all the stories of some of the biggest corporations i mean i remember watching the founder um you know just like i don't know five years ago on a plane ride and i got off and i was like no way that's the truth you know way mcdonald's the, was made the, because the of corpora- well
0: but the but the big guys now are big tech aren't they more like it's less to you know the ceo of ibm than it is you know Elon yeah. musk and and you know mark zuckerberg is that what you think about when you think about corporations
1: I think there's problems across the board, right, when we get into kind of these larger conglomerates and when we talk about what it means to be a billionaire and how you amass that money and how the the way you amass that money. A lot of times it, there's a lot of exploitation involved with it, not because you're a bad person, not because you said, I'm going to exploit these workers to get money, but because of the way our systems are built and because of the way, you know, what I always bring up is when we talk about a thri- like a livable minimum wage, right? Mm-hmm um i have a lot of friends that are small business owners and i sat down and had a conversation with them about this because we just passed a 15 dollars minimum wage here in florida and i said look you know when you start your business what are the essential considerations what are things that if you don't have you cannot open your business you know the capital right so that way you can afford your overhead and your rental costs and everything your insurance everything like that right these are essential considerations if you don't have it you're not you're not opening your doors and all I said was, look, I just think we should live in a world where your workers getting paid a livable wage should be an essential consideration. And that's it. You know, right? you, that just should be valued at the same thing as some of these other. And so for me, it's less about people being uh, you know, evil or this and that. I just think the way our system is created um, is, is it, it's it's created to not value the least of these. And I think that's what most folks are really frustrated about.
0: You know, um, I think when people call you an activist, it reminds me of when President Obama was called a community organizer. I mean, is that a title that you love or do you think it, you know, marginalizes what you've done?
1: Yeah, Um, I think I love the title activist. I wear it proudly. Um, I will say I have I see some pictures in the
0: background there that look activist like.
1: Yeah, well, it it is a lot of activism. It's also just a lot. I'm a musician, and right. uh, and uh, music is a huge part of my life. I own a small music festival here in Orlando that uh, raises money for a nonprofit. So I'm a bit of an entrepreneur, actually. Not Firefest.
0: Fest, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a small music festival. We have about 500 people a year. Uh-huh. Um, but there's a lot of music up here. You know, that's you know I love Supreme John Coltrane. It's my favorite jazz album. Uh, so there's activism. There's just, you know, a painting here that I bought at a record store in Charleston because it looked like Wes Anderson. So like either way, you know, my, 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 life, you know, has been a lot of activism, a lot of organizing, but also a lot of music, live events. Um, that's really. Um, well, just your salsa
0: band played you played um, in the inauguration, weren't you sort of one of the acts, so to speak. So like, first of all, have you had a chance to meet president Obama since that, story has filtered out? Has he reached out?
1: Not yet. Not yet. Uh, what? May, maybe in the future.
0: Who who has reached out? I mean, you know, you've had a couple of weeks have passed. What tell me a little bit about um, the outreach, you know, from either fellow people in Congress or others that. Uh, stands out for you.
1: Yeah, well, you know, President Biden reached out the, the night of, and that was surreal hearing from the president of the United States. Um, you know, a lot of times you get these caller ID numbers, and you um, you see, I'm getting one right now, no caller ID. You never know. Right.
0: It could be spam. <laughs> uh, could be, you know, the vice you president. You never know.
1: You know. Uh, I learned that the, the 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 night of my primary election, I kept getting calls with no caller ID, and I found out one of them was was uh, uh, the speaker. So you know, you just you got to answer the no caller ID. So there's a big key right there. Answer the no-caller IDs. Worst case, you just hang up the phone. Best case, it's President Biden. <laughs> you so, know? so.
0: I, you know, I since you're on, a, you talked about um, government being a little too old. You know, I know, don't want to bait you here, but any thoughts for President Biden on, on whether he should run again or just how we get more young people into Congress?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if the president decides to run again, I will support him. I think, you know, part of the reason we've had such great youth voter turnout is because he's been proposing these ideas that excite young people and that get them out to vote over 64% for Democrats, uh, you know, because they believe in the, in the agenda and they like what he's saying, or whether it's canceling student debt or working on the climate crisis or ensuring people have the resources they need. I think it's really important. So um, <clears throat> the president runs again. I'm really excited to support him. Um, but I'll also say we still need younger people in government, right? I mean, we still need younger people in leadership as well. But I think all too often we think about that as something that happens overnight, right? Maxwell Frost is in Congress. Boom. We got representation. Let's, you know, this right. and that. you
0: represent an entire generation now, Maxwell, no pressure. Right. So. <laughs> right.
1: Um, but it's really about building pipelines, right? Right. It shouldn't be, Oh, you know, this person's too old. Let's get them out and put someone young in. How do we create a country where the natural pipeline is younger people getting into leadership, and it doesn't seem like it's jarring, and it's part of the process. And so that's really what I'm thinking about. How do we institutionalize younger people being involved in our government? I think part of that is electing young people to Congress, city council, county commission, and different things like that. But the the last thing I'll say about this is it's Uh not just about, you know, government with young people. We need young people in leadership in many different things, whether it's media, clergy, um, education, right? And I think All the young people um, in, you know, kind of the highest parts of their industry, we're all representing our generation. It's definitely not just me.
0: So let me ask about Florida, because that's a place where, you know, there hasn't been overwhelming support for Democrats. I mean, what, give us some insight into what's going on there from from your perspective, perhaps starting with um, Governor DeSantis.
1: Yeah, well... You know, what I'll say is this. I mean, our state is definitely, I I still believe it's a battleground state. I know we had a really bad night on Tuesday, but the important thing is you have to look at trends and patterns, right? The trends and patterns we've seen over the past six years in this state are, it's still being battleground, right? I mean, Andrew Gillum only lost by 30,000 votes. When we look at these very progressive ballot initiatives, over 60% of Floridians voted yes on Amendment 4, the ballot referendum to get people with previous felonies the right to vote. Mm-hmm. Over 60% of Floridians said yes to a $15 minimum wage. Over 60% of Floridians said yes to medical marijuana. Um, and so I we see a disconnect here. And I think the party, uh, our Florida Democratic Party, has a lot of work to do in revamping the way that we reach out to people and being unafraid to talk about the bold solutions that really excite people and get them excited about government and shows them that government can work for them.
0: Has has Governor DeSantis reached out to you the way President Biden did? I know, of course, you know, he doesn't have to, but.
1: I no, would. he has not. He is not. I never I mean, we never hear from Governor DeSantis. He doesn't really reach out to constituents like that. Um, that's why I had to uh, in organizing an activist fashion had to kind of confront him at an event he had here in Orlando. Um, I don't know if folks have seen the video before um, where I pretty much was asking him you know, governor, what, what, like pleading almost, what's your plan on gun violence? This was two weeks after the Uvalde shooting. Yeah. And all he said was, nobody wants to hear from you. Uh, and then a couple months later, that same district elected me to the United States Congress. So I guess it turns out they do
0: about. want to hear from you. Well, I mean, one question I'm sure a lot of people have is, are you going to join the squad? Has, has anyone from the squad reached out?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm i building great relationships with, you know, Alejandro ocasio Cortez and uh, Ayana Presley, someone who helped me a lot in my primary. Um, I'm not really joining, like, you know, there's yeah. no really. It's not about groups for me, if that makes sense. I mean, there, I am joining the Progressive Caucus, but you know, I'm gonna have different allies in different fights. But I mean, the members. I mean, Cory Bush slept on the Capitol steps uh, to ensure that the evictions moratorium was extended so people could stay in their homes. I mean. That's patriotism. That's admirable. Um, and so I'm just excited to work with all these different members of the Democratic caucus who really bring different perspectives um, to the table.
0: You know, one question um, everybody has is, is you know, when you've got basically the House not being majority Democrat, where do you see the opportunities to get things done or what what are you going to prioritize when you get in?
1: Well, I, I wanna work on all the issues we have, affordable housing, ensuring that we bring down rising costs, universal healthcare. Re, the, and I hate to make this left versus right because my message is really about the people versus the problem,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: it's also the world we live in. And you know, Republican leaders, this entire election talked about crime, education, and inflation. And in their first press conferences, after we found out they were gonna lead the house, all we hear about is Hunter Biden. So, I mean, we're really just going to have two years of investigations on Hunter Biden and the, and Joe Biden and all this. And, you know, it's unfortunate because I really thought, you know, if they were taking the House to really work on issues, it doesn't really seem like that's the case. But we're still going to do everything we can. It's a slim majority. So, we, you know, I think there's room to work in a bipartisan way with a lot of these Republicans who are not on this Trump bandwagon and who actually want to work at bringing down uh, rising costs. Um, I want to make sure everyone has healthcare. I think we need to strengthen Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Um, so there's just a lot of work that needs to be done. So I think there is room for bipartisan work. We obviously have the Senate and the presidency. So any outrageous bills that they pass in the House, it's just not going to see the light of day after the House. But I think there's a lot of room to to, to get you know good things done, uh, even when it comes down to the environment. So you're talking we-
0: to a Canadian about health care. So you won me at hello on that. You know what? Uh, I feel like I'm going through the roster here, but I cannot ignore the Afro-Cuban part. You know, yes. having wanted to go to Cuba and feel like I've been thwarted along the way. What What's your view on that? Is there is there uh, is should that change or you know it's it's complicated because I know there's a lot of views within um, you know the Cuban community here in the U.S. about that
1: yeah my mom, my aunt and my grandma came here from Cuba in the late 1960s during the freedom flights. Um, and the situation then and now is really is horrible, right I mean the citizens being oppressed, free speech um, that pretty much doesn't exist if you disagree with the people in power and really the regime. Um, and so I mean we do everything we can to fight for the people of Cuba. But the other thing too is we need to be fighting for the working class people of Cuba too the everyday Cubans and so, I think there's just a lot that needs to be done. I, I am, you know, what we've been doing has not been working. Cubans are still suffering. Um, so my, is that an argument
0: for engagement, do you think, or or to normalize relations? What do you think?
1: Yeah, well, I, I am for lifting the embargo. I mean, you know, I now I do I think the embargo is the reason why Cubans are in the situation they're in? So, solely, no. No, I don't. I don't think it's the only reason. But I think it's one tool, uh, embargoes and sanctions, one tool that we've used that hasn't worked. And the most wealthy people in the island that we want to impact are just really giving the burden to the working class Cubans um, because they have the resources to weather that storm. And they're going to continue to weather the storm. That's what powerful, rich, you know, powerful elite people do in places like Cuba. So um, I, I do think we need to rethink our strategy there. The Cuban people are suffering. It's not just because of the US, but I do think we have a part to play in that. And uh, there's a lot more work that needs to be done. So
0: I just have to ask you, you're not in Congress yet, of course, but um, is it everything you dreamed it would be so far? I mean, I'm curious, what, what's it like you get elected, now mm-hmm. you've had some time. I mean, what's what surprised you about this whole, you know, give us some highlights because you're living a yeah, life that uh, we don't get to lead.
1: Well you know it has been not I mean I, months ago I said right after election day I'm gonna go on vacation for a week or two and Disney uh, World. I, no. yeah I mean that weekend I had to be in BC for week one of orientation orientations like 738 a.m. to 11 p.m every night every day what, what um, are I they just, what is
0: the orientation what do they orient you on is it here's how we want you to vote or here's where the bathroom is or all the above?
1: No, it's more more logistics in setting up your office, right? We had briefings on member security in D.C., member security in your district, member security at your home. How do you set up your office? Payroll. What is your MRA, the member's representational allowance, which is the amount of money we get every year? How much money do you get? It changes year to year. I think uh, it's uh, last year or last Congress, it was like 1.6 six seven or eight million you get a wow. year but you know that's to pay your staff it's the which is about 18 people per office you have to pay for your office here in the district um and then you know most of it goes to staffing but then it's also to you know if you're doing mailers if you're doing events in the community it's the money you get to represent people um and so you, you go through you know what how do you budget um what are the staff positions you know there's so many different classes then the next half of the day is more social events getting to uh you know meet your incoming colleagues and make lasting relationships which arguably is one of the most important parts of orientation is getting to know the people you're going to be working with for the next two years at least
0: have you had any political heroes you've met or do you have political heroes that you know have inspired you to run for office
1: yeah, so many. I mean, you know, so many. Uh, you know, obviously, President Obama was one of the first politicians I ever looked up to. Um, you know, someone like uh, uh, Senator uh, Sanders is someone who he endorsed you.
0: Huh? He endorsed you quite loudly and repeatedly on yeah, he, Twitter he and
1: stuff. I used to work for. Him. I worked on his campaign, right? Um, so definitely, you know, San- Senator Sanders is someone I look up to. Um, but there's so many other people, right? I mean, on the house side, people like Mondier Jones, Jamie Raskin, Pramila Jaya, Paul, Mark Pocant. I mean, there's so many people who do great work. Uh, I'm excited to work with them. You got Elizabeth Warren, and I mean, the list goes on. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm just excited to be there and do the work.
0: So um, other question in terms of if, if you have any other last points, but I, you know, we saw AOC do, you know, TikTok videos. And what are some of the ways you'll be reaching out to, you know, your constituents who are of your generation, because I think that a lot of people see Washington as, um, you know, in a certain way. And you have an opportunity now to maybe bring it to life. You're an entertainer by nature. What are your plans?
1: Well, you know, we're I mean, we're going to we do TikTok, Twitter, like all the social, all the social media. We do it. But really, You're still I'm doing excited. Twitter.
0: You, you'll pay eight dollars. Uh, you'll pay eight dollars a month for that badge.
1: I'm not, paying, I'm not paying anything, so I'm, you know they can take away my check mark. It's fine, I guess. Um, but um, but no, yeah, I'm not paying anything. But I lo- I do love Twitter. I made a joke the other day on Twitter. I said I like Twitter because I'm not photogenic enough to just be on Instagram. You know, <laughs> I'm not posting photos every day. Um, but either way, uh, I th- you know I think a lot of it. We're going to be hitting the road next year. We're going to travel the country and get young people excited about getting involved in government. Um, We're going to be doing a lot here locally. Um, One of my plans is, you know, we're going to do hopefully quarterly uh, nights where we show a film and we bring people associated with the film to talk to the community. Mm -hmm. We're going to be involving artists in a lot of the work we do. I think that bridging the gap between cool and consciousness is really the key here in involving like this whole new generation in politics. So I intend to be very involved on the art side as a member and really want to have good relationships with our artists and our influencers so we can work together. Um, to really bring more people to the table, so many different ways. I think social media is one of those ways, but I'm a huge fan of in-person events that can like change people's lives. I, I'm, you know, I really believe in the power of live events, and so you'll see our office flexing our live event muscle as much as That's we can cool. to really bring people into the fold.
0: In with the salsa band,
1: we did it. Actually, we uh, uh Pride last year. I brought the band back together and we performed on a flatbed truck.
0: (laughs) I love that. That's great. Well, definitely more to come. So thank you very much. Congratulations again. And uh, look forward to continuing the conversation.
1: Of course. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Thanks.